Hello, and welcome to episode 60 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today you can see us, because we're doing another Myrtle Beach Games uh, episode. Live in Technicolor with Brian's see-through shirt. Yeah, I was just going to hope people thought it was a cool like aesthetic choice, not a, a bad engineering choice on my part. It's great. It's great. <laughs> you can't, it's not, I'm not really see-through. I've not been shot in a Morty-sized <laughs> hole, or a Rick-sized hole in my chest. So we're going to do the Challenger decks. Yep. Whenever a new product comes out, for most new products for Magic, we try to do a like a review episode. Uh, normally we film them live so we can get some pretty graphics up here, let you guys see what we're talking about. We do them in conjunction with Myrtle Beach Games here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, with our good friend Juan, who's helping us with uh, producing this episode. Yeah, podcast dad. Podcast dad. So we're going to go through the decks, kind of let you know what we think of each of the Challenger decks, some mm-hmm. places we think you can make some upgrades. Yep. And this was our most popular episode when we started, like, yeah. a little less than a year ago. Yeah, the first one went over really well. It was, for a long time, it was our most popular episode. So we're trying to yep. capture that magic again, man. <laughs> the second one went pretty well, too. Yeah. So if you want to get at us on social media, you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. If you want to find us on Facebook, it's Casual Tryhard MTG. You guys can shoot us an email at show at casualtryhardmtg.com if you got any episode ideas questions about brian's shirt yeah i mean our like i think two of our last three episodes have been based off of listener questions yeah we, we've been really lucky lately a lot of our i think we've had probably a dozen or so listeners reach out to us either via facebook or email or whatever and ask us questions which a bunch of which we turned into episodes yeah so. much appreciated yeah keep it up um if you need to buy some cards and your local game store doesn't seem to have them you can go to the internet, yep. and if you go to TCG Player, you can help us out yep. uh, by using our affiliate link, so tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com, mm-hmm. and we get a small, teeny piece of- a Very small, very teeny. Of whatever you spend to help kind of support the podcast. Yep. But as we always say, if your local game store has the cards, buy it, buy it from them. Yeah. Actually, we were talking right before the episode, you mentioned a poll that Wizards put up. What is your preferred way- Yep. To play competitive magic. Yep. And we looked at it before we started. There were 13,000 respondents, mm-hmm. 86% in favor of tabletop, which is paper. Yeah. And 14% in favor of digital. Do you know where most of those paper games are being played? On a tabletop? At your local game store. Oh, yeah. yeah th- that too. And if you guys don't support your local game store, you're not going to have a place to play. So no. I always, always recommend taking care of your local game store first, but sometimes they just don't have the cards you need, so. And then there's another way to support us. Yeah, on Patreon. We got our Patreon set up. Um, If you guys feel like supporting the show a little bit more than just buying cards through TCG Player, you can throw us a buck. Yeah. If you have any ideas on what you would like to get back from us for Mm -hmm. your uh, buck, other than this sweet, sweet content, (laughs) uh, let us know. Yeah, like I set up tiers. But that's only because they made me. They're not real. We don't have anybody telling us what they want for Patreon tiers. So no, no, we don't have any. I mean, we have a couple ideas, but until people start telling us what what they want, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> so we've already thanked one. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about time to get into these decks. Oh, I should probably thank Myrtle Beach Games again. And sure. this is probably a good point to tell our listeners to uh, check out Myrtle Beach Games' YouTube channel. For all of our videos, like I said, we do one of these every time a new product comes out. We kind of go over the product, give our opinions of it, 
give you suggestions for upgrading and uh they're stored forever in a vault in youtube somewhere <laughs> the youtube vault on myrtle beach games youtube channel so check it out yep now to the challenger deck dun 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 so what do we think about these challenger decks well, I think they're a really good entry point into standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have the drawback of these were the decks that existed eight months in, ago in the fall, basically. Yeah. So some of them are a little dated for mm-hmm. where the metagame is now. But if you just want a deck that you can buy and be competitive and mm-hmm. like trade or buy some cards to upgrade, this is a good place to start. Yeah, I agree. These decks seem better than the lists in the past, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more value in them, and I think that they're more optimized than they have been in the past also. And maybe that's because like the prices of standard in general have come down, so they can they can put a little bit more power into the decks. Yeah, and like a couple of them have like cards that are twenty dollars now yeah in them yeah when i was writing this up like these prices might be a little bit out of date now i was kind of busy over the weekend so i actually wrote this episode like the middle of last week there was only one deck that was under a hundred dollars like if you singled it out yeah the rest of them were like 105 110 bucks and that's pretty good for that's really five dollar product yeah they are like missing some key pieces yeah the uh the pieces that they're missing are a little spendy Yes. Which wasn't really the case for the previous Challenger decks. Like, in the past, we've kind of done, like, a budget upgrade and then, like, kind of a full-blown upgrade. There really isn't a budget upgrade for these. Like, you just kind of yeah. have to work at the pieces little by little until you get it's, the list. It's part of, partly because some of the cards that are missing are kind of playable in Eternal format. Yeah. Or just super desirable. Yep. And it just kind of, like, puts the their price kind of out of whack for what like they would be in Standard. Yeah. One thing that we did notice when we were going through these decks was that the mana bases aren't great, but it's kind of a no-brainer to swap out like guild gates and come in, comes into play and gain you lifelands for like shocks and temples. So we're not going to include those in our upgrades. Like I'm, I think you guys are smart enough to figure that one out on your own. Yeah, and those are the those are the places that they kind of have to cut corners because they can't put eight right. rare lands in all of their yeah and all of their decks. Yep. That's kind of the overall thing. Like, if you mm-hmm. want a good deck for FNM, this is going to give you a good entry point. Yeah. So before we start going into the decks piece by piece, which one do you want to pick up first? If you had to play one of these decks for FNM this weekend, which one do you think you're going to pick up first? This is hard. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Um, this wasn't in the show notes. Probably Cavalcade, because, like, its mana's going to work. Yeah, it, and it's a really strong deck, too. Yeah. That deck is really well built. I had a hard time finding changes for it. Yeah. This is going to come as a shocker, but I would probably pick up Final Adventure. No. The, <laughs> the green black rockish value deck? Yeah, no, it's weird, I would never guess it. Yeah. No, you're not you don't have a type or anything. <laughs> not at all. So, our first challenger deck we're going to talk about is Allied Fires, mm-hmm. which is kind of the planeswalker variant of the Jeskai Fires deck that was popular, like I said, like uh at the beginning of I guess uh, Throne. Yeah, it would have been in Throne Standard. Yeah, so right at the beginning. Yep. The current version kind of isn't really the same deck. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, the version that comes in this Challenger deck is very much the Planeswalker-centric version. They've kind of moved away from that and are leaning on really heavy five-drop creatures. Yeah, the that, Cavaliers. Yeah. So we're going to do two different upgrades. One is if you wanted to keep it like a Super Friends list. 
Um, it's a little bit more budget friendly. Yeah. And then we're going to do another list that's more in line with what the current fires lists look like. Fair enough. So uh, kind of the key cards first is you get four fires of invention. Mm-hmm. The deck just doesn't work unless you have that card. Yep. And then you have a Kenrith the, Recur- the Return King. Mm-hmm. So that is your buy a box promo. Yep. From their uh their Throne of Eldraine. Throne of Eldraine. Yeah, they're kind of hard to get. You could only get them as a buy a box promo or in the collector boosters, I think. And they came as non foils in the collector. Right. So this is the other way to get a non foil Kenrith the Return King. Yep. Um. So it's good that they're included because they'd be kind of a hard card to track down otherwise. Yeah. Also comes with four Narset Parter avails. It's just an uncommon from War, but she's like three, four dollars a piece. Yeah, uh, playable in all formats in which Island is playable. Correct. Um, and this deck comes with four of them, so yeah. pretty uh, sweet. You get one Steam Vents. Mm-hmm. This is one of the few decks that comes with a Shock, right? A couple others do. Steam Vents especially is good, though. Yeah. That's always been an expensive Shock. And some of the other Shock lands got reprints, like in the Challenger decks, and, or not the Challenger yeah. decks, the Brawl decks. Yes. Um, Steam Vents did not, so yeah. it's kind of nice that more copies are going to get out there. And then we get uh, one Ugin, who is not to be effed with. He's yep. ineffable. Ugin the ineffable. Again, he's another planeswalker from war, right around the five six dollar mark. Yeah. Um, good chunk of value there, especially when you're only paying, you know, twenty five or thirty bucks or whatever these things are. Yeah. So this is fine. Like yep. these are all good cards mm-hmm. that we'll see play. Yep. In standard going forward and in other formats. Yep. So, like if you get this, you're gonna have value there. So now the changes yep. that we have on our little list here. Sorry, these are spendy. Yeah, a little bit. Like we said, we tried to look for a budget option like we did with the previous Challenger deck upgrades, and they really didn't exist. Um, Wizards did a good job of putting like good cards in these, so there's really not a whole lot of budget-friendly builds on these. That being said, you don't have to buy like all of these at once. If you need to piecemeal it out over a couple weeks, that's completely appropriate. Yeah. So the first thing would be to remove the two time wipes mm-hmm. and put into Shatter the Skies. Yeah, I think Shatter the Skies kind of just a better, especially in the Planeswalker version. Um, yeah, it's a better wrath uh, because you're not going to have like that one creature that you're trying to save to return. Yeah, like, and with time to, wipe. Like, to get like value from like replaying a Cavalier of Gales or something yeah. in the in the creature version. Yep, and Shatter the Skies a mana less. Yes, that kind of struggles with early interaction. So that Wrath coming down on turn four instead of turn five helps out a ton. It does. It does. It, usually against the faster decks, if you don't have, like, Deafening Clarion, yeah. you kind of get run over. And this gives you, like, this, that extra backstop to not get run over. Yeah. And you can also play it the same turn you play your Fires. So you right. can develop and go Fires into Shatter. Right. And now you have a clear board, hopefully the next turn, to play some Planeswalkers. Yeah, and start taking control. The next change is kind of a big one. Uh, we're going to cut one Kazmina. For a Teferi Time Reveler? Yes. This list desperately wants four Teferis in it? Yes, it is. Everything the deck wants to do. In in the yeah. show notes, it's like, Brian, why does this deck want th- a Teferi 3 so bad? <laughs> Let me tell you. It digs you to your fires. Which is big game. It uh, keeps you from dying because it like lets you bounce something. Mm-hmm. And then also digs you to a card. Right. It makes it so... Your fires can't get countered. Right. Right. You go Teferi on three, fires on four you know your fires is going to resolve. And whatever after it's going to resolve. Yeah. Basically, it does everything but make you a sandwich. 
as you yeah. play this deck. It's what the kind of the glue that holds the deck together. And Teferi kind of makes you the sandwich. He that kind of does, yeah. Yeah. You can keep hands that are like no fires and like two Teferis and be like, oh, I'm going to see two more cards and slow my opponent down. Yeah. Okay, this hand's fine. Yeah. And not having that does hurt the deck a lot. So that being said, the reason we're only adding one Teferi right here is because they're kind of expensive. Yeah. They're like $23 a piece right now, I think. Yeah. And they're going to rotate in September? Yes. What do you think the prices are going to do in September when he rotates? Be $20. Like, you don't I, think he's going to dip at all? I think that there's too much of a demand. Like, he's in blue-white control, if that deck is at all playable, and yeah. Pioneer. And Modern. And Modern. And is played in Miracles and Legacy. It's yeah. just a card that's played across all formats. It will go down because... There are a bunch of standard decks that are playing four. Yeah. But maybe it goes to 10 or $15 more realistically. But I don't yeah. think it's going to move that much. Okay. So if you have money to spend on Teferis, or like I said, you can do these piecemeal. You don't have to buy them all at once. But continue cutting Kazminas for Teferis, I think. Is... Yeah, if you can get some. Yeah. And also, like, the deck just lets you play whatever, like, big Planeswalker you want. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, like, into Nicobolus, and you have a bolus, well, you can put a Nicobolus in your deck. It doesn't really matter because once you get your fires down, it doesn't matter what the mana cost is. You just right. get to play it. Yep. That's another thing that I didn't kind of put in the show notes we might want to touch on real quick is this Planeswalker version. How does it win? Uh, through Sarkin. Yeah. What's Sarkin do? Uh, three red, red for a five loyalty mm-hmm. Planeswalker. Uh, minus three. You make a dragon, mm-hmm. plus one, all your planeswalkers become, so the dragon is a 4-4 four, four flyer. Yep. And plus one, it becomes, all your planeswalkers become 4-4 four, four dragons with flying. Yep. And has static ability is, uh, whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage. Right. So if you can, like, play Sarkin, make a dragon, any, any X1 that attacks you just dies. Right. And then... Also, if you can, like, play... Fires Kazmina on turn four, and then Sark on turn five. You can plus them and, and attack with your Kazmina or yeah. whatever. I mean, you, the dream I think in the, is where you go like Planeswalker on four, yeah, into Sarkin plus Kenrith, yeah, and then give him haste, give everything haste, and you attack for like thirteen that turn, yeah, yeah. But you just win through making dragons, basically. Yep, he's he's your win con. Is is the A plan? Yep. But, like, you know, Ugin will let you make two twos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll let you grind out a long game. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of forgot to add that. I figured we should talk about that briefly. Yeah, just what the deck's trying to do. Yep. Trying to kill your, your opponent's stuff and then Planeswalker value yep. people out of the game. So version two of this deck is going to be a little bit more in line with, like, current Fires lists. Yeah. We're going to ditch a whole bunch of the cheaper Planeswalkers and put in some big beats. Yeah. So we're going to ditch the Healy, Kazmina, and Sarkin Mm -hmm. for Sphinx of Foresight and Cavalier Flame. Yeah, why is Sphinx of Foresight so important? Because if it's in your opening hand, you can scry three at the beginning of your first upkeep. Yeah, like a pregame action. You get to reveal it and scry. And it's a four mana, four, four flyer. Mm -hmm. So after you've used it to dig to your fires, Mm -hmm. then... You can go fires into play a four four, and that'll help stabilize the board. Yep. Then it has an ability where it just, it, whenever it's on the battlefield, you scry one in your upkeep, mm-hmm. so it lets you dig to your next threat, right? Or dig to that fifth land, so you can play the other card we said you should put in here, which is Cavalier of Flames. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Cavalier Flame has a little clause in there that says uh, you can pay one and a red yes. to give everything you control plus one, plus O, oh, and haste till end of turn. Yeah, so that's a way to just kind of effectively combo kill your opponent. Yeah, you're not spending mana on your spells because of fires, um, in which case you have a whole bunch of extra mana kicking around. Yeah. And you can just kind of pump your whole team and kill them all in one turn. Like if you untap with the fires in play, you can almost kill your opponent outright the next turn. Yeah. By almost, like, oftentimes they're just Often, dead. yeah. yeah. You're just like, oh, okay. Yep. Good talk. Going away from the kind of, like, Planeswalker version, Yeah. a lot of the decks now aren't playing, like, the Fae of Wishes wishboard. Right. So we could cut some Fae of Wishes for some Kenriths. Yeah. Now, Kenrith is also a big game. He's got a whole bunch of abilities on here, and the ones that are in color are fantastic. Give haste and trample for red. Yeah, let you draw cards for blue, let you gain life with red. Yeah, so the gain life is... Not with red, with white. White. So the gain life is how you, like, stabilize against uh, mono red. The draw card just lets you get to more action Mm -hmm. later in the game. Yep. So all all in all, good. Yep. We're also going to round out some of the spells... Yeah, we're gonna take some of them out of the deck and then add in some more threats. This deck is really threat dense. The like normal, the current version is. So we're cutting the Ugin, all of the Omen of the Sea, and both drawn from dreams for two Dream Trawler, two Cavalier Gales, and three Bone Crusher Giant. Yeah, so the Dream Trawler is kind of the like unbeatable yeah. threat in the format right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cavalier of Gales is just a big flying idiot. It yeah. lets you draw cards. It does let you draw cards, but it it's kind of more important than that because it lets you dig to more gas. Yeah. Like, kind of the same thing we were talking about before is a lot of times when you play your fires in your first threat, you might have a hard time finding, like, your follow-up turn. If what you play after your fires is a Cavalier Gales, it can find you whatever you're looking for next, whether it's Cavalier Flame or a Kenrith or a Dream Trawler. And then Bone Crusher Giant is early interaction that, then kind of doubles as a threat or mm-hmm. blocker. Yeah. So that's why those are there. So you can, like, turn two, kill, kill a creature, turn yep. three, they'll have a blocker. Yep. Now, same as version one, we really want some Teferis in here. And I would say trade the Narsets for Teferis here. Especially since you've moved away from the Planeswalkers, Narset right. finds a lot less. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, Narset's still, like, a reasonable card in this deck. Yeah. It's just Teferis a lot better. Um, so if you can swing them, buy some Teferi, stick them in there. But, you know, I understand that's you yeah, know, 80 something dollars in Teferi's. For a card that's going to rotate not, in not too long. Right. Some changes to the sideboard. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't give exact sideboard numbers because that's kind of up to the meta a little bit. Yeah, and where things sit. Yeah. So because we're moving away from the wishboard, we're pretty much going to throw the whole sideboard in the trash. And I'm going to give you, like, five options to kind of round out the board, and you can kind of fill in whatever numbers of them you want. The first is Elspeth Conquers Death. Yeah. Especially with Teferi is, like, A-plus good time. Yeah, you get to play it, bounce it, and if you have a fire cell, just play it again. Yeah. Also, it can rebuy your Teferi. Yeah. So, like, if you, you know, neg kill something off, they end up kill, or you play your Elspeth Conquers Death, they end up killing your Teferi. The last chapter can bring Teferi back. Also, like, I've seen people in, like, blue-white control cast Shadow of the Sky mm-hmm. and then let their Elspeth Conquer's Death get their Dream Trawler back. Right. Yeah. A little bit bigger. Yep. And you got to clear the board, and now you have the only threat. Mm-hmm. So that's another option. Yep. Things to do. 
a lot of times when people play the deck against the deck, they want to bring in ways to like deal with your fires. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times you can try to go under that. Yeah, so if you're if you think your opponent's gonna go like real big, bring in some big heavy hitting removal spells or like Ryan said, ways to deal with your fires, your deck really isn't very efficient if you're not on that plan. Yeah. So you want to try and bring in some things that you can do early in the game. And I think the consensus best thing to do right now is like we talked about earlier, the Bone Crusher Giants in the main, but also some Legion War Boss in the side. The other card that kind of fits in the spot too is Robber of the yeah yeah is the other card that is the like low low to the ground yeah answer i think uh legion war boss is kind of like an army in a can though yeah um like if you untap once or twice with it even if your opponent can deal with the war boss you've still got some value on the board that they have to deal with so i think war boss is a pretty good go-to here and i mean like you said rubber of the rich isn't an embarrassment either but it's a little bit harder i think to make work than war boss is war boss is kind of easy mode yeah uh, then you have Tide Taker. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of a threat, kind of a way to, against like counterspell decks, mm-hmm. just gum up the works. It's something that they have to answer, mm-hmm. and it makes it so it's harder for them to counter your spells. So, especially if you're like on the play, yeah. like your Tide Taker then is going to protect your fires against you know, any three mana counterspell. Right. And if they have like a tap land as their third land, then they can't even Dovin's Veto you. Right. So. It's just a way to like make things difficult for control. Yeah, it also like randomly leaves bodies behind, like after a wrath, after a yeah. clarion or a shatter of the sky or whatever. Um, so it can get you a little bit extra value that way. Yeah, definitely clarion and shatter of the sky. If mm-hmm. you want more wraths, mm-hmm. just more ways to keep the board clear. Yeah, and uh, definitely clarion is also good in this deck in the main or the side for the life uh, life link part yeah. of it. Yeah, because you play like. You know, a 5-5, five, five, you give it haste, and then you give it lifelink. Right. So it lets you then gain some life and, again, stabilize against mm-hmm. red. Like, you've killed their board, and you've gained five life. Yeah, you went from, you know, a critical three or four life up to, you know, seven or nine life. And they lost two creatures or whatever. Right. So it's it's good in this deck. And then Shatter of the Sky, if you just need more of that effect. Yep. Here's where you put it. Yep. The, uh, the last card is a Mystical Dispute. Should kind of be a no-brainer against control decks. Yeah. It's tough to play when you have a fires out. Yeah. You're... It's impossible to play when you have a fires out. Yes, very tough. <laughs> um, it does help you get there, though. Yeah, it's it's more for forcing your fires through. Right. It's more for, you know, if you're playing against a Thought Erasure deck, it lets you tag the Thought Erasure so you can keep your fires. Right. And if you, you, you can play, like, a turn behind and mm-hmm. play, like, fires and then counter their counter spell on five yeah. to get it down and then the next turn is when you can start going off with all of your big uh threats yeah also like one thing to think about when you're building this sideboard is you can kind of pivot a little bit like if it's a matchup where either you don't expect your fires to be good or you don't expect your fires to resolve or stick around you, maybe you sideboard some of your fires out yeah. And you can lean on like Legion War Boss, some of your Wraths, Mystical Disputes. Yeah, you can go, you can become a leaner, more aggressive deck to yeah. punish your opponents for going big. Yep. Or you can kind of fight that control mat, that control game a little bit. Yep. Until you find the right spot to like turn the corner. Yep. In the description, we have some links to these uh, upgrades mm-hmm. built. So if you just wanted to go to TCG Player and buy those cards, yep. we um, have it all set up for you. James yep. spent many hours. Yeah, this was tough. I 
learned exactly how unsavvy I am with this kind of stuff. I am quickly realizing that I'm becoming an old fart. Yes. <laughs> the link will bring you to a mass entry page for TCG Player that has the cards filled in already. And if you click, I forget what the button says at the bottom, but you click the button at the bottom and it'll automatically grab the uh, lowest shipping, lowest priced cards on TCG Player and pop them right in your cart. There you go. So you have the hardware for you. All of the hard work. At some point, James is going to start paying like kids to come over and like set his VCR <laughs> or whatever. It keeps flashing 12 at me. What did I do wrong? Help. <laughs> so next up, we have Final Adventure, the green-black adventures deck. Yes. I'm just going to sit back and let this happen. <laughs> uh, so this is a, an adventure deck that has a knight sub-theme. Yeah. So it's going to try to get value on like two axes. It's Mm -hmm. going to try to get you value with your knight synergies Mm -hmm. and it's going to try to get you value off of Edgewall Innkeeper rewarding you for playing creatures that have adventure and just the fact that your adventure cards are for the most part just value. They're also for the most part just knights. Yes, they are knights. So it all kind of it all kind of comes together here. Yep. The current adventure deck is teamer. We are not going to overhaul this whole deck and make it teamer. (laughs) <laughs> take the two uncommons that you got in this deck and throw the rest in the trash can yeah. is not a good place to be no there have been a lot of very successful green black adventure variants yeah and we're gonna kind of go down that path i also played a version of this deck really early in throne standard um i believe i was just mono black though i don't think i was or i yeah. was red black red black yeah, yeah. yeah but it did a very similar thing there were also kind of two paths we could go down with this deck they're very similar, so we're going to, I think, kind of lump them together as one. Fair and enough. we'll just tell you about both branches, and you can kind of pick which pieces you like. So our notable inclusions, uh, Knight of the Ebon Legion. Yep. Uh, the list comes with two of them, I believe. Okay. And they're like six, seven bucks a piece. Yeah, because they're like Pioneer playable on some level. Yeah. Yep. They are arguably one of the best one-drop black creatures that's been printed in a very long time. Yes. Uh, we have Murderous Rider, yep. the like the adventure creature that has Swift End, which kills a creature or Planeswalker, and you lose, you lose two life, and then just two, three life linker for one black black. Also Pioneer playable. Yes, also Pioneer playable. Yep. Very good card. Yep. We have Varaska Golgari Queen. Also Pioneer playable. Yes. <laughs> uh, four mana Planeswalker that pluses, gains you life, if, and gains you life and draws you a card if you sack a permanent. Yep. Minuses to basically abrupt decay something. Mm-hmm. And then the alt is some form of you almost win the game. Yeah, you almost win the game. She's a pretty good value engine, and the deck does have some real mild like graveyard synergies, so like the sacrifice part of it's relevant also. Yeah. But a really good card for fighting through either bigger end mid-range matchups or control matchups. Yeah, it just lets you get value and yep. stuff. Yep. Also contains Castle Lockthwain, the black castle. Pioneer playable. Yeah. You notice a theme going on here? Yeah. Um, card's great. It when you run out of gas in the late game, it uh refills your hand for you. You're gonna gain some incidental life off of some of your creatures that either have life link or gain life through their adventure. Yeah. Um so you have a little bit of extra life to spare. And it really doesn't come at any cost to put it in the deck. It, yeah, it's just basically free. Yeah, you're you're gonna have swamps in play, so it's gonna come in untapped. There's really no reason not to play it. And then last but certainly not least is Fable to Passage. Yeah. Also Pioneer Playable. Also Pioneer Playable. Yeah. The Pioneer Fetchland. Yep. So. Card's awesome. And like 20 bucks. Yeah, it's good. Yep. 
the kind of the changes that we want to make is throw a bunch of mythics in the deck. Unfortunately, yeah, it's kind of the same same thing as the previous deck. Wizards did a really good job of rounding out the deck in general, and really the only thing that they didn't do was optimize some of the heavy hitters. Um, there's kind of two different packages you can go with with this deck. The first one is like a Rankle Liliana package. Yeah. Rankle and Liliana kind of play together well because the creatures that you're sacrificing, when Rankle connects, you're choosing sacrifice a creature. Yes. And that's going to draw you cards with uh, Liliana, which then you can use to fuel more Liliana and Rankle um, while kind of dismantling your opponent's board. And that's going to play a little bit bigger game than the like Questing Beast Vraska package. Yeah. Questing Beast is just trying to give him dead real fast. Yeah, he hits super hard, comes down early, and Vraska's going to kind of clean up the chaff so he can get through reasonably well. Yeah, like you can play a Vraska, get rid of a, a Bone Crusher Giant, and yep. then like they're not going to have something to, bl- to block your Questing yep. Beast. Or a Love Struck Beast or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And then that's going to clear the way for your Questing Beast. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go down like the Wrinkle Liliana path, this kind of leads more into like the Lucky Clover side of it. Some of the best things to Lucky Clover are Order of Midnight. Yeah. Let's you rebuy some of your guys that you've sacrificed with Rankle or Lily and Smitten Swordmaster, which can just kind of combo kill somebody out of the game. You know, you play some early knights and then, you yeah. know, if you're double or tripling a Smitten Swordmaster, you're going to. You gonna... get him for 10 instead of 5 and then yeah. you're just game over. Yep. So this side of it is going to lean a little bit away from Edge Edgewall Innkeeper. Yeah. And lean more towards the. Uh, the Lucky Clover package. Yeah. Um, if you want to see an example deck list, we do have both versions built for you. You can check out the links in the description here. Okay. Um, they're built in goldfish, so they're nice and easy and pretty to look at. Okay. Uh, real quick, a thing with Lucky Clover and Murderous Rider. Mm-hmm. If your oh, opponent yeah, yeah, yeah. only has one target, the way that it resolves is the copy that uh, Lucky Clover makes resolves first. Yeah. And then the... Uh, actual copy of Murderous uh, Swift End then uh, resolves, and if there's no target then, yeah, it just fizzles and goes to the graveyard, so you don't even get the creature in adventure. So just make right. sure that you're cognizant of the fact that you need to mm-hmm. make sure you have two targets, one for the copy and then one for the, the spell that you actually want to get the creature off of. Right. Um, also... Super corner case scenario, but it kind of, ma- like, even if you have two targets for it, Sometimes it can matter which one you're targeting with which. Like if you have one thing that you really want dead and one thing that you kind of want dead, it might make sense to target the thing that you really want dead with the copy. Yeah. So that if they do something. To save it. Yeah, you would still end up with your murderous, or your, yeah, your murderous writer. Or in, in, on an on adventure. An adventure. Yeah. Yeah, so just be be mindful of that. Yep. The other plan, like we said, is uh, Questing Beast Raska. Questing Beast hits super hard. Yeah. Um, he comes down quick, has haste, um, is kind of tough to block. And if you combine that with Vraska to kind of clear the way a little bit, he can end the game super quick. Yeah, so this version's just more aggressive in general. Right, and in doing so, you kind of want to lean a little bit more towards Edgewell Innkeeper to keep putting on the pressure. Yeah. Some of the best things to Edgewell Innkeeper are Foulmire Knight and Lovestruck Beast. Um, Lovestruck Beast hits like a freight train just like questing beast so you're gonna you know when you play your love struck beast you're gonna draw a card when you play your questing beast you're gonna draw a card 
Foulmire Knight also kind of leans into this where you're going to draw a card off Foulmire Knight and then you're going to draw a card when you, you know, resolve it through the innkeeper. Yeah. It's a way to get some more value, but you're really looking to go like one, two, three blessing yep. beast. Yep. And then this version is going to lean a little bit away from Lucky Clover and going along with that, probably Order of Midnight also. Yeah. Order of Midnight's really good when you can return two things off your Lucky Clover. It's not really that great if you're only, you know, getting something that might have died, you yeah. know, on turn six and or whatever. And you're trying to go, like I so said, you're trying to curve out yeah. and use the Edgewall Innkeeper to, as kind of like sweeper insurance, mm-hmm. where you've maybe drawn two or three cards off of playing your adventure creatures. Right. And now they sweep you on turn four with like a Shatter of the Sky, and you're like, okay, fine. I still, I'm at card parity. Right. You can and still so I can rebuild. Yeah. Yep. I think both of these lists want like one more Murderous Rider and one more Midnight Reaper. Yeah. Um, so I made that change to both lists. And then Black Lance Paragon is probably the weakest knight of the bunch. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't have the adventure synergy. Right. Right? Like it's it's a card that gets played in like red black knights because it says right. knight, but in this deck it's like you're an adventure deck that has a little bit of knight stuff going on. Yeah. And so it doesn't really fit all the way in the in the plan. Yeah. The it's also a lot better like in the red black versions because of Fervent Champion. Yeah. Like Fervent Champion has first strike, so if you flash in a f or a Black Lance Paragon, give it death touch. Yeah, the creature just you just kill something. Get to eat something, yeah. Yeah. So th- that's probably the easiest cut is the Black Lance Paragon. So we cut both of those for the to make room for the Murderous Rider and the Midnight Raper. Yeah. The sideboard looks pretty good for the most part. Probably wants some number of shifting ceratops for the blue decks, um, like the tempo deck or like blue white yeah. control or something. So I cut the crawl harpooners for those. Yeah, the like crawl harpooner was there when this deck was popular to eat geese. Right, and there is uh, less geese going on now. Uh, much less. Honk, honk, honk. Yes, oh, Oko brought the honk with him when he left. <laughs> yeah you guys i'm going home and taking my goose with me <laughs> and then uh, it probably wants one more planeswalker in the sideboard also to bring in against like either the bigger mid-range or the control matchups yeah that could be like uh garrick yep uh could be garrick i didn't have garrick in my list but it could definitely be garrick yeah just um just big thing to generate some value yeah like another lily or vraska or like you said garrick's probably a pretty good con- inclusion i really didn't think of that one yeah there's also um oh, what is it called harvest sphere and the other side the adventure creature that's three and a black oh, yeah, discard yeah, yeah. two and then like five and you get like a five five four or five. Se- it's, it's seven right yeah. it's five black black yeah but with the lucky clover out it's just mind twist yeah and so that's a card that comes in if you if you have that again it's like a budget option mm-hmm. against like control mm-hmm. you go like clover and then you know when you like play your harvest fear you're yeah. gonna get at least two cards yeah if not four, and if you get four cards, I think the game just ends. Yeah, probably. It's like, oh, cool. Yep. You let that resolve, did you? Mm. <laughs> oh, you played a Teferi. That's cool. You didn't. You didn't take all your cards. Okay, good. Good talk. Yep. Good talk. So, that's something. If you like, that's just like a. I think a common. Um. Maybe it's an uncommon. Yeah, I think it's an uncommon. But that's just a card that, until you get some other things, could be in your sideboard and be very, very uh, useful for you. Mm-hmm. And then you had one more note here. If you wanted to, there is potentially a Jund build. Yes, you could be more Jundy, yep. which would require you to play, get some more dual lands. But again, yeah. if it's 
question of like what you have. Right. Right. If you've opened packs, you might have a stomping ground or two. Blood crypt. Yeah. And then yep. you could do something where you might go like introduce like bone crusher giants. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly the big ad is bone crusher giant. Yeah. To to have that like other adventure mm-hmm. creature. Yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons why the uh, teamer adventure decks exist is because of Bone Crusher Giant Lucky Clover. Yeah, when you get to pay two mana and deal six damage, that's pretty good. Yeah, I've lost a few games to that. Yeah, yeah. me too. So next up is uh, Cavalcade Charge. Yeah, I think this is probably the strongest deck out of the box. Probably, it's yeah. probably the closest to just being a like completely built at some point tier one yeah. standard deck. Yep. And the reason for that is. It was the deck that's probably the most has the most commons in it. It does. Yep. Right. So you have a bunch of really powerful one and two drop commons mm-hmm. that kind of like uh, bring the room together. <laughs> and then you just have a rug really bringing the room together. <laughs> yes, <it> does. <laughs> but then you then you just have some some rares that kind of push the power level. Right. But the deck works with like a pile of commons. Mm-hmm. So the rares aren't as important as they are in some of the other decks. Yeah. So the uh, the list out of the box wants to end the game really quickly by making all your little cheap creatures uh, relevant, like on turns four and five, with a Cavalcade of Calamity. Um, Cavalcade kind of doubles all their power in a weird way, so it lets all your one ones actually deal like two damage. Yeah. Some of the notable conclusions in this list are Bone Crusher Giant, mm-hmm. Torbran is a good way to also like ramp your team up a little bit. Yeah. Embercleave is kind of the heavy hitter in this list at like 20 bucks or whatever it is now. Yeah. Light up the stage randomly is still like four bucks a piece. That comes with a play set of them. That's really good for reloading once you've, you know, vomited all your little creatures onto the battlefield. And then uh, this list plays uh, Chandra Acolyte of Flame in conjunction with Cavalcade. That's a A plus good time. Yeah, because you get to make two one ones, which then trigger your Cavalcade. So you go like... One drop, Cavalcade, Chandra, and you're attacking for three effectively unblockable with yeah. your one drop. Yeah, I mean, if you go, like, one drop, Cavalcade, Chandra, Torbran, it's yeah, the like game's done. game over. And Chandra has a good, is good at, like, the, the thing that you would normally do against this deck is you bring in your Deafening Clarions, you bring right. in your Cry of the Carnation Rooms, and they play a Chandra, and you're like, oh, this card doesn't do anything. Yeah. They went Cavalcade, Chandra, and you're like... I don't have a way to answer this now. Yeah. My Legion War Boss is a planeswalker. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh. So yeah, she's just a good juke. Yeah. Yep. The uh some of the current builds, or I guess the current build of Mono Red right now, uh leans a little bit away from the Chandra Cavalcade plan mm-hmm. and is more on like an Annex Embercleave plan. Yeah, so where you're trying to just play an Annex and then throw an Embercleave on it and do a ton of damage. A ton of damage. Um, so that's basically the direction we're going to take this list. The deck has gotten a little bit bigger since then, and in doing so, you don't really need like the critical mass of one drop one ones. Yeah. So we also add in Robber of the Rich as a way to kind of play a little bit longer game. Yeah, and it just lets you have randomly gives you cards sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to the the bigger the more current version. Uh, you don't have to play the Cavalcade. Right. Because you don't have a bunch of the one-drops. Yep. So Cavalcade is great when you have three one-drops on the battlefield and you play Cavalcade. Or right. you know that you're going to have one-drop into Cavalcade into more one-drops. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you draw it and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, like if your opponent 
like Duffin and Cleary on your board and you don't have a Chandra, paying two mana for a Cavalcade just doesn't do anything. Yeah. And if you don't do anything for a turn with this deck, you're like two or three turns behind. Yeah. You getting away from that, make sure that all of your draws are consistent. Yeah. Yep. There weren't a ton of changes to make, like we said, mainly just just what we said. I do want to make note though that this deck, like as it exists, is not an embarrassment. Like the Cavalcade Chandra plan is still strong. Yeah, it is. It's just not quite as strong as like Annex Ember Cleave is. Yeah. And like Annex is an uncommon. Yeah. Is it like maybe a dollar or something? Well, right. But I mean, like Ember Cleaves, like the deck only comes with one. Yeah. And if you're leaning real heavy into the Ember Cleave plan, like you're going to want to add three of them. Yeah. But like if you have Annex, though, just having Annex in your deck while he doesn't trigger Cavalcade does give you that insurance against the Sweeper. Yeah. And all of the Seder tokens that Annex makes your guys leave behind after a Wrath do trigger Cavalcade. Yeah. So you go like. One drop, two one drops, annex. Mm-hmm. Now, if they clarry on you, you your stuff dies, but you get like five tokens. Right. And then you just play a cavalcade and attack for 10 the next turn. Yeah. And you've kind of like done your job. Mm-hmm. So just getting that card in will be would be helpful as well. Yeah, even if you don't have the Ember Cleaves, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, even if you don't have the Ember Cleaves, like that's I something agree. you can build towards and be like, okay, when I get another Ember Cleave, I can take something else out. Yeah. The sideboard was also pretty good. Basically, the only thing that stood out to me is like a glaring I need replacement is Satyr's Cunning. Yes. Um, that card's kind of just bad, right? It kind of is. I know people have played like one. Yeah. But it doesn't seem great. Yeah. If you're going to stick with the Chandra Cavalcade plan, I would probably play like Lava Coil over yeah. it in the sideboard. Um, but if you're moving to Annex, a lot of people are playing Red Cap Melee. Um, because it can like crack your annex. Like if you yeah. need to start going wide, it can let you go wide a little bit. Yeah. And another thing other than that, uh, uh, is that you can play an annex and then play a second one Yeah, and have, and have them kill each other and you get mm-hmm. double tokens. Yeah. So you get four one ones because mm-hmm. they each trigger that you make two one ones for the annex to die. Right. So that's another way that you can go wide. And again, uh, make sure you check out our uh, the link that we provided here. We'll send you right to TCG Player with all of the upgrades that we've mentioned here. Yeah. And we get a very, very small cut. So uh, next up is uh, they've decided to put in a box the most miserable deck to play against <laughs> for like the last six months. It really is. I was really hoping this deck kind of died off. And I was very disappointed the first time I ran into it post-Theros. Yes, so this is Flash of Ferocity, which is the blue-green Flash deck. Yep, it's a kind of a tempo deck. Yeah. I guess not kind of a tempo deck. It is definitely a tempo deck. You're trying to, one, get ahead, stay ahead. So you're mm-hmm. trying to get a threat down yep. and then counter your opponent's stuff so they can't develop and keep up with your one or two threats. Yeah. And you're trying to trade when you can at a mana advantage. Mm-hmm. You want them to spend four mana on their fires and you pay two mana for a quench. Right. You want them to pay five mana for a Cavalier, and you pay four mana for your uh, Frilled Mystic. Yep. Or you want them to leave up mana to pay for a Quench or a Mystical Dispute so they don't do something on their turn, and then you can flash in a Night Pack Ambusher or something instead. Yeah. Yep. You're just trying to make the game awkward. Yep. And uh, it works. Yes. So the first thing you put on here yeah. is, I know we said we are going to talk about mana. But we're going to talk about mana for the a mana minute. base in this deck is 
atrocious for what the deck needs to be able to do. Yeah, there's way too many comes into play tapped lands for you trying to leave counter magic up. Yeah, so like you got to be able to play Frilled Mystic, which is probably secretly like the best card in the deck. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's a counter spell and a threat. It does like both jobs. Right. And it's green, green, blue, blue. Right. And you want to desperately have it on turn four oh, every yeah. game. And then there's also, you've got uh, Night Pack and Busher, which is two green, green. Yep. You also have Sinister Sabotage, which is... One blue, blue. Yeah. Like you, yeah. Like, these spells don't Brazen all work together. one blue, blue. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. They don't wor- all work together when you have a bunch of comes into play tap lands, and I think the deck has, like, I think it was, like, 16 or something basics. Yeah. Like, the odds that you draw, like, forced, forced, forced tap land and, like, right. just stare sadly at the Frilled Mystic, frilled in your mystic hand. as your opponent just runs you over yeah. is, like, way too high. Yeah. So that is what's going to hold this deck back. Mm-hmm. But if you've got, you know, the rare lands to kind of, like, help piece it together, right. it's going to be good because the rest of the cards aren't that expensive. Yeah, like preferably breeding pools. We're going to do, like, breeding pools over Thornwood Falls. Yeah. But this deck could probably use some Fable Passages also. Just some way to actually, like, have your mana actually work. Right. Yep. So the notable cards that we have in here is, uh, first is Brazen Borrowers. Yeah. Which are, like, 20 or $25. Yeah, they spiked reasonably recently. Yeah, they're kind of playable in all formats. They're played in Legacy now. Yep. Right? Pioneer modern. Yeah, being able to bounce something and effectively draw a 3-1 flash flyer off yeah, of it. Yeah, it's great. Is great. Yep. Uh, Fabled Passage. Mm-hmm. So again, this is to try to help make the mana work. Yep. And then Night Pack Ambusher. Yep. And Night Pack Ambusher first started out in these decks as just a way for Mono Blue to not lose the Shifting Ceratops. Yeah. And then it just was like, oh, wait, this card's just, like, objectively good. Yeah. No, it's pretty good. It yeah. is a very strong four drop, for sure. Yeah. Also, I just noticed that two of these Challenger decks have Fable Passage in them. They do. You Maybe think there's... the price will come down? We can hope. Like, I don't know. What, th- what price do you buy into Fable Passage for? Like, yeah. I know you've got your playset already. Yeah, they're, like, what are they? They're between 15 and 20 right now? Yeah. I don't know if they get, like, 10. Start buying them up. Yeah, because then they're going to climb back up. Yeah. Because, I mean, these decks are going to help with the supply, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to just fix it. Well, I mean, they're also going to drive the demand up, too. Yeah. Like, people are going to buy these decks and want to finish out their play sets. Yeah, so, but I think, like, long-term, they're probably a card that's going to just, depending if they don't put any more, like, fetch lands in the Pioneer, like, these are just going to be... The lands. The lands that you're going to need to play Pioneer. Yeah. And we've seen what happens to the other... Right. To the other fetch lands in other formats. Yeah. So, unless this is like a random evergreen, like every third standard set, you just get Fable Passage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Like, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to be $30, $40 a piece in two years. Yeah. Might be something to keep an eye on, like after these decks get out into the public. Yeah. Is uh, keep an eye on the price of Fable Passage. I would say if it gets down around maybe like eight to twelve bucks, yeah, I might start there. buying them up like just as an investment. Yeah, just to and like okay, in two years I'm gonna like yeah. sell these for come $30 off ten of them. Yeah, yeah. Buy a modern deck. I mean, I got my my Mox Diamonds were Cons Fetch Lands. Mm-hmm. I traded in like thirty Cons Fetch Lands and got seven hundred fifty dollars worth of like Mox Diamonds. Nice. That was yeah, very nice. Cool. Yeah. 
like I said, at the core, this is a tempo deck. You're yeah. trying to trade with a mana advantage. Mm-hmm. You're trying to play on your opponent's turn so they don't know what you're doing. Yep. So basically, every turn for you is going to be the same. You're going to like draw. You're going to play a land. If you have a creature, you're going to attack with it or mm-hmm. not. And you're just going to pass the turn. Right, because like, everything you're going to do either has flash or is an instant. So you're going to play on your opponent's turn. Yeah, the, uh, the, the bane of your existence is Teferi. Yeah. <laughs> like, then your deck doesn't do anything. Mystical Dispute. Yes. Will be your best friend. Yes. Like, the best tempo card in the deck is Brazen Borrower, right? Yeah. You can time walk them effectively. Yep. And then it also becomes a, a hard-to-answer threat. Yep. So the first upgrade is probably getting some more Brazen Borrowers in, in the deck. Yes. And I would say cut the uh, unsummons. I think there's two unsummons in this deck. Yeah. Brazen Borrower is just a better unsummon. Yes. And uh, the Horsefish. Ah, uh, good old Horsefish. It, it's just not good enough in here. The Wave Break Hippocamp. Yeah, it's not. Like, the extra cards are nice in theory. Well, right, but like three mana for a 2-2 isn't ideal. And you have to play it on your turn. Like, it goes yeah. against, like, the whole idea. Yeah, and I it's fragile. Yeah, flash decks, you don't have to play on your opponent's turn all the time. But when a bunch of decks are playing Bone Crusher Giants, yeah. I mean, don't want to pay three mana. On the, on the play, three mana, here's my 2-2. Two, two, and they just Bone Crusher Giant it? Yeah. That's, uh, and you just they, lost that game, at, yeah. basically. And then they play a 4-3, and you're like, oh. <laughs> All right, then, I guess I now have to, like, contend with this. Yeah. You, not only do they play a 4-3, but they play a 4-3 that your uh, Brazen Borrower can't block. Yes. And that trades with your Nightpack Ambusher. And if you target it, it deals you two damage. Yeah. Like, it's just all things are bad. Yeah. So, yeah, the the hip, the, the Horsefish, just not, yeah. not good enough. Yeah. And then in the sideboard, the uh, Threnody Singers are like an embarrassment. Like, I don't know God who decided awful. that card was right for this sideboard. I think I think it said Flash, and it wasn't expensive. Yeah, probably. They're like, we put a Brazen Borrow in here and a Fabled Passage. Yeah. There's like, you know, $40, $45 of the cards. Yeah. So some stinkers in here <laughs> so we can uh, make things work. Like, in all of these, though, this is the one card that I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they... Decided they this, this went in here. Like, all of the deck lists were really tight, except for this. Yeah, this one random card. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts were. I kind of thought that Nissa Who Shakes the World would be a reasonable upgrade here. Yeah, if you look at how this deck was built for, was it the Mythic? No, the Mythic Championship, it was the other thing. It was the uh, the thing that was smaller. It was like 64 players. Was it was it an invitation? The arena thing? The arena thing? Yeah. That uh Seth Mainfield, mm-hmm. Javier Dominguez, and I forget who the other person was played. Like they it played Nissa's and Hydroid Crisis, but then okay. also just played the Flash yeah. bouncy game. Uh but it did have the Nissa. So the Nissa's are like a kind of tried and true. This okay. has worked in these decks before. Okay. Uh they had them in the main, but definitely in the sideboard where you can again like kind of like juke yeah. where your opponent, you know. I don't know if I like them in the main of this version. Like, yeah, yeah. I, if you are playing Hydroid Crisis, I could see putting them in the main deck. But in this version, like, really, you only want something against the games that are going to go super long. Yeah. Like, you're you're not going to win a counter war against Blue White. No, but if so, you can stick a Nissa. Yeah, if you can kind of jam it under the radar, like if they tap out for some reason on their turn or something, it can certainly turn the tides. Well, I mean, 
that's part of the point of this deck is you want to make them tap out. Yeah. So like if you have like Night Pack Ambusher and Anissa, mm-hmm. you just end of their turn you jam your Night Pack Pack Ambusher. Yeah. They have to counter it. Right. And if they do, they've tapped low enough that you can probably just jam your Anissa. Right. And if they don't, you have a Night Pack Ambusher. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, you clearly win, have a win either veto. way. Yeah. So all right, here, gotta make a two-two and say go. Yep. So. You can put them in situations where you can get things through. Mm-hmm. And again, make sure you check out the link in the description for our, uh, not only the um, Goldfish deck list if you wanted to peruse it, but also our uh, link of cards for our TCG Player affiliate. Yeah. And if I've noticed as I've read over these, mm-hmm. you bought multiple decks. Mm-hmm. You can definitely get the different pieces that we've suggested for different decks. Yeah, some of them for sure. Like yeah. Ember Cleaves and Brazen Borrowers and stuff. Yeah, or just like... If you bought like the other deck that had a fabled passage, oh yeah, yeah, that's and true. and you bought this, you, now you have two fabled passages to make your mana a little bit better. So mm-hmm. you can kind of do that as well. Yeah, actually, like I don't know what the exact price point of these is, um, but if they're like twenty five bucks, like I mean that's almost a fable passage. Yeah, same with like Ember Cleaves. Yeah, like you just buy your Ember, you just buy your mono red deck and you get your Ember Cleaves. Yeah, as opposed to yeah, it's a decent thought. I hadn't thought about that. Full freight. Yeah. Yep. Next up, we're continuing our four-part. Four-part, yeah, series. Yeah. We're on part three. Yeah, make sure you check out our uh, other episodes for parts one and two. Because that'd be episode 58 and 59. Yep, we previously covered Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance, yeah, so which means that today we are on to... War of the Spark. Buy, sell, hold. Yep. Uh, the cards of Finance War of the Spark. Quick takes. This is a list of all the cards that on February 25th yep. were over $2. Yep. Uh, February 25th was the day I built this episode, so I'm sorry if these prices are slightly out of date. Yeah. First up is Teferi Time Raveler, $21.26. Yep. We briefly touched on this at the very top of this episode, and what did we say? I think that realistically they go to 10 to $15 at rotation, mm-hmm. so... You probably could make a couple bucks if you sell them now and buy them back. So Long term, they're coming back up though, right? Yeah, because it's a card that's going to be played forever. And I think secretly Planeswalker static abilities are a mistake. And I don't think they're going to want to print them much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're going to do them as much as they did. Yeah. Mainly because I think they did them for war. So that they could make the sheer number of planeswalkers they did. Mm-hmm. The only other time we had them was during the core set when we had multiple Chandras. Yeah. Right? To make the Chandras feel different. Yeah, it was just one Chandra had the static, right? Well, no, you had one that couldn't be countered. That, yeah. Oh, that was the only one? Yeah. The other two, the, the rare one doesn't have a static. Oh, okay. And the uncommon one doesn't. So it was just that Chandra. Okay. And we were reading the, there was a design article Mm -hmm. that Calyx apparently started out with a static ability. Yeah. And then they were like, there's just too many words on this card. Yep. Okay, let's ditch this. So I don't think this is going to be a card that's easy to reprint. Correct. Uh, And it's going to need to be reprinted because it's going to be, it kind of feels like the Jace slot in Mm -hmm. a lot of like, it's just this like flexible answer that does something. Yep. So it can run away with the game. It's very snowball-y. Yeah. So I think that you could sell it with the intention of trying to buy it back. But if you're again, if you're gonna, if you're looking at playing blue white, you're gonna need it. You're gonna need it. So yep. just hold on to it. Don't like try to play that game. Yep. 
Uh, next up is Liliana Dreadhorde General at $17.61. Um, how? I don't know. So I think that six mana Planeswalkers have a giant, giant bar to get over to be played. Basically yeah. the only one that's played in Eternal format is Elspeth, Sun Champion. Yeah, uh, I'm she's... assuming you're, that you're not counting like Nick Fit lists, right? Those aren't real decks. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought your answer would be. Yeah. Those aren't real <laughs> decks. But yeah, that, so I think this card is a sell because like, I don't yeah. see it being played anywhere else. So after we just told people to buy them for the Final Adventures deck, we're telling them to sell them? <sighs> yes. 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 If you really want to play that deck, fine. Yep. But I think long term, this card's going to trend to like the Planeswalker average of randomly $5 for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, this one kind of has a little bit else going for it. It has a very good static ability. Yes. And it has zombie synergies. Um, so this is probably going to maintain some value, like, for casual players and for EDH play. Yeah. Um, but as far as, like, constructed tournament play, probably not. Yeah, and I don't think that those can hold, like, the $17 value of this card. Like, in Pro- the next 12 months, yeah. I think it's going to be a lot cheaper. Yep, I agree. So... Again, maybe in three years, it's back up to this point. But if you get off it now and then get on them at five, if that's your plan. But I think yep. you can get off of this one. Yep. Uh, Finale of Devastation is up next at $14.35. This one I think is a keep. Like, I do too. Because its value, I think, is derived a lot from its play in Modern. And EDH. And EDH. Yep. And if it's good enough for Modern. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very good. good enough for Pioneer. Yeah. And so, like, this is the Pi- Pioneer's uh, Green Sun Zenith. Mm-hmm. And I know we've tacked an extra, one extra mana on it. Yeah. But, but you also tacked on Crater Hoof. Yeah. But, it, but it's also just the only option in Pioneer that has mm-hmm. this effect. Yeah. So it's yep. going to be a card that will, it might not be seeing play now. But, but it will. It will. Yep. Also, to note, one of the things that we look at when we form these opinions is the amount of play that it's currently seeing in Standard. And right now, that's none. Zero. I don't think it's been played in Standard yeah, really at all. Yeah, I don't think all. so either. So all of its value is being pulled from like Modern and yeah. uh, EDH. I guess Menguchi's ramp list that he played at... Oh, yeah, he was getting Big yeah. Pig. Yeah, the Mythic. It was like a Mythic Invitational. Yeah. He was getting Big Pig with it. Yeah. So... It did see a little bit of play for, like, the month of December. Yeah. But it hasn't really seen play before that or since. Yep. So if you've got them, sit on them. If you want to pick them up, probably now's the time to pick them up because I don't think they're going to get cheaper. Yeah. Next up is uh, Nicobolus Dragon God. Yep. I, like, took such a bath on this card. I bought them at, like, $20 because I was like, this card's great. The card is great. Like, I don't, I don't understand how we were so wrong evaluating this card. I don't think we were wrong evaluating the card. I think it's the, like... The shell sa- around it. Yeah, the, shav- the Savage Knucklebelly problem where the yeah. card reads powerfully, but... The deck doesn't exist that the it card, goes Yeah, in. the cards don't exist around it. Yep. Right? I, you know, if Teferi was Grixis, mm-hmm. or if Teferi oh, yeah. was blue-black, yeah. then... You would then Bolus would be mm-hmm. really good, mm-hmm. but because Teferi's white, it pushes you away from playing this, and you can't right. splash blue, black, 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 <laughs> red. Makes it tough for yes. sure. Uh, so Bolas currently is nine dollars and eighty two cents. You can probably get rid of it. It's probably going to settle in that like five dollar Planeswalker range. I think so too. Unfortunately, the card yeah. is sweet. I wish it was good. 
And the art's awesome, right? Yeah, it is very good. Yeah. It's a shame. Niv-Mizzet Reborn. $7.95. I think you keep this and try to buy them? Yeah. This deck has seen a whole bunch of play in Pioneer. Yes. And was called Best Deck in Pioneer for a little while by some people. For a brief, for a hot minute until Inverter of Truth took everything over. Yep. There's a lot of pros that still really like this, though. Yeah, and it's also just a fun borderline meme deck to play. Um, I mean, it looks like it should be a meme, I should say. Yes. And it's not. Right. It's just a fun deck. You're like, oh, I'm going to like get my whatever dumb two-color cards you wanted, ever wanted to play. This lets you play it. The other thing on that same note, though, is that this deck gets better with every set. Because they're going to just keep pr- printing gold stuff. Right. So every set you're going to get like something else to add into the maybe board. And this deck kind of thrives off of a big maybe board. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, people are playing this enchantment. Well, I can then play these cards to deal with that. So you're always going to have an answer for like everything. Yep. And being able to maybe draw five cards off of your 5-5 flyer Mm -hmm. is, your 6-6 flyer is good. Yeah. I would say if this gets down to the $5 mark, you start buying them from everywhere you can. Yeah. Because um, this card is probably twelve to fifteen bucks a year from now. Yeah, and again, it's one of those cards. It's a weird card that they're not going to like easily reprint. Yep, I agree. Uh, next up is Nissa, who shakes the world. Seven dollars and twenty-seven cents. She should be more, but she should currently be more. Where is she going to be at rotation? Probably again five dollars. Like I don't see yeah. her going up from here. Yep. And she's good enough that she's seen play in Pioneer already. Yep. And I think she'll just kind of be like a staple in like green Pioneer decks. Mm-hmm. I do think that most of her value right now comes from standard. Yes. And the closer you get to rotation, I think the uh, lower her price gets. So if you've got them now and you're not using them, I'd probably come off of them. But then buy them back at rotation because she will climb again over yeah, time. Yeah, you just have to be careful of what you're going to get for them. Yeah in like your store credit or cash yeah like is there going to be a big enough delta yeah that i don't know for Maybe. like if they go to four dollars and you got five dollars for your nisses mm-hmm. is it really worth a dollar to then have to like buy yeah, them back probably not so it depends it depends on like where you think they're going to go but they will go down a little bit yep how about uh jace wielder of mysteries at seven dollars currently talk to me monday <laughs> um, so I think most of Jace's value is derived from the Inverter of Truth deck. Okay. And there's a ban announcement coming up on the 9th, which we'll talk about next Monday. Yep. And if they ban part of that deck, I think Jace becomes less desirable. I think it depends what part of that deck they ban. This is true. If they ban Dig Through Time, Jace is still probably fine. Well, if they ban Dig Through Time, I would argue that Jace is more important. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you can probably get off of these because I think they the the best thing they're going to do is go down. Like that is, yeah. I think that is what they're going to do Regardless. in the short term. Yeah, right. And if they if they do ban something out of inverter and make it worse, mm-hmm. then I think it takes a bigger hit. Yeah, I wouldn't sleep on these forever though. Even if it gets banned, maybe pick some up when it bottoms out. Yeah, this is a really unique card. Like, anything with you win the game on it should be considered. Yeah, I mean, it's the Pioneer Lab Man. Yeah. 
and they've basically only printed this is only the second card that has the if you have no cards in your deck mm-hmm. you win the game mm-hmm. that i mean that's also relevant like for edh also yeah but it's saying like there's only there's only a handful of these effects there's yeah. lab man there's jace i guess thassa's oracle Thassa's doesn't oracle. really say it but it does say it it's the same thing yeah yeah so it's a narrow number of cards that have this effect yep so even just for the static mm-hmm. it's an interesting card yep so I wouldn't I wouldn't completely sleep on it, but uh, if you're nervous, it's probably safe yeah. to come off them. What about uh, Gideon Blackblade at six dollars and eighty nine cents? He's the wrong three mana Gideon. Yeah, I think that this card has. This is another card that you read it and you're like, "Wow, I get a four four for three mana. Mm-hmm. It's indestructible, and I get to give something else indestructible. Like this is great." And then it just doesn't, doesn't do anything. Do anything? Yeah. Like a four mana four four that doesn't ETB and do something. Yeah. Apparently isn't good enough anymore. <laughs> uh so yeah, I think that you can just get off of these because they're not getting played anywhere. Yeah. Um, like we said, kind of the floor for like a normal planeswalker is mm-hmm. like five dollars post rotation anyway. Yeah. Like I think Tibalt like is kind of the meme planeswalker and even he's like five bucks. Yeah. Planeswalkers really don't go much cheaper than that. Being at $7, like, I mean, if you're out $2, you know, who cares? Yeah. But, yeah, he's not going to gain value, I no, don't I think, don't, in, I don't the, see him, in the like, short term or long term. Yeah, there's not going to be a deck that's like, I need this Gideon. Yeah. When, like, Gideon of the Trials right. does so much more. Right. So, there's a better three-mana Gideon. Yes, there is. How about uh, Karn the Great Creator at $5.49? Bye. I agree. I have already started buying them. Yeah, it's uh, going to have to me a card that's going to like cycle, mm-hmm. where they're going to print some dumb artifact that makes it really good, and they're going to go to like twenty dollars that everyone chases for them. Yep. Then you're going to dump them, and they're going to ban said artifact. Yep. Or it's not going to be as good as everyone thought, but there was going to be like a glorious three days where people were paying twenty dollars for cards. Yeah. And you're going to make a bunch of money, <laughs> and then you're going to. Buy them all back for seven dollars, and you're gonna yep. wait for the the cycle again. So this is, well, I didn't realize they were this cheap, but yeah, this is. I think you you get on these. Yep, I already started buying them. Like I said, uh, next up is God Eternal Kefnet at four dollars ninety nine cents. Oddly unplayable in all formats. Yeah, a four five flyer for four mana that lets you copy the top spell, the cup top card of your library if it's a instant or sorcery. Crazy I don't get it, that you can't kill. It right. just comes back in it like just two comes turns. Back. Yeah, unplayable in all formats. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with this world. <laughs> yeah, so. like if you gave me that card in 1995, I would have won every tournament I entered. <laughs> <laughs> every single. So, where did that card come from? Don't ask. Was that little mark at the bottom? Don't worry I said, about Shut it. Shut up. <laughs> it looks fake. Oh no, it's real. It's real. Bend, bend the corners. It's fine. <laughs> it doesn't crease. It reads ridiculous, but yeah. plays unplayable. Yeah. So yeah, make it go away because I think it's gonna be gonna go to that like fifty cent. You think so? Like, yeah. I mean, it currently sees no play. Yeah, and it's five bucks. Yeah, but it, like it's one of those things. That, like it's in standard. Like people hold on to those cards. Like I'm guilty of that. Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't know where uh, where is it gonna see play. Like what is it gonna do? Yeah, I guess I don't know. Yeah, like like this would be like the deck that I kind of want to slot it into is like a. Not the exact deck, but like a Grixis Death Shadow deck, like something yeah. that's 
like spell slinger focus that's trying to kill with like a singular threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that deck exists right now, but like this is the perfect card for it. Yeah, it seems like it should see more play. It just doesn't. There's not something that's lined up for it. I mean, think about like even something like Siege Rhino. That's true. Right, Siege Rhino saw all the play. Was like five to ten dollars, and has only been a meme since. Yeah, and has been like a dollar card since. Yeah, and like this sees no play. Yeah, and I mean, other than the fact that it's like a legendary creature. I mean, I don't know. Are there some like God Eternal Kefnet like brawl decks floating around? Yeah, I have no. Like, idea. I don't know. So I think we we could probably just get off of it. Yeah, I think that's probably safe. Uh oh, we got a bunch of God Eternals. Yeah, but next we got we got Eugene. Yep. Uh, sell, sell, sell. Yeah, four dollars and fifteen cents. I was uh pretty hyped on this card at pre-release, release, yeah. set review time. Um, I thought it did an awful lot for the mana. Yeah, it's kind of a self-contained value engine, but it plays just awkward. It does, and it's in one of the challenger decks. Yeah, so price is gonna drop. There's gonna be way more of them. Yep. So I think we can safely say get off of this. Yeah. And I mean, you, look look at what else you get for six mana. You get Dreadhor General. You get uh, Cursed Huntsman. Yeah, you get... They just do more than Ugin does. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't do enough. Yeah. One more mana, you get Karn. Yeah. <laughs> One more colorless mana. Yeah, you're yeah. fine. Yep. So Ugin's probably safe to come off of. Uh, then we have God Eternal Ronus at $3.90. Yes. Um... Bye. Yeah, this saw a little bit of play in um like the Pioneer Stompy decks. Yeah. But not not much. enough to, yeah. to justify it existing. Yeah. Yep. Come off it. Four bucks is plenty for me to come off my copies. Yes. Uh Dreadhorde Arcanist at three dollars and fifty nine cents. I think you keep this card. Um, I think it does something ridiculous at some point. If I knew that they were three dollars, I would have started buying these. Okay. So I think I'm going to start buying these. Yeah, I think it's a card that's going to just be, there's going to be something that happens that just, like, breaks this card. Yep. I mean, it's, it's playable, played in Legacy. Mm-hmm. It had, like, a run in Legacy. It'll it'll come back to doing something in Legacy. Yep. Because just getting to play all your spells for free is really yep. good. Really good. Um, let's see. We got Blast Zone, $3.49. I think this is a buy as well. This seems like a commander card. I'm going to call it a buy, mm-hmm. but I'm going to throw a caveat in there. Okay. And I would buy foil copies. Yeah, I have my one foil. This is a card that we'll see play in any deck that can afford to play it. Mm-hmm. Like anything whose mana is good enough to be able to include a colorless source or two is going to play at least one of these for basically free as an EE. Yes. Decks like that do exist in non-rotating formats. Yeah. And those formats tend to want foil copies. Yeah, like I have a foil for depths. Yep. If I ever need that card in depths, I have a foil. Yep. I don't think that the non-foil versions are probably going to be worth more than five bucks ever. Like, yeah. There was just a ton of this set opened, and like the use for this card is pretty narrow. It is. But I think the foil multiplier is going to be really high on this one. Okay. Where normally it's like, you know, 1.4 or 1.5. I bet you this one's like two and a half or three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then we have God Eternal Bantu, $2.99. Again, no one plays this card. Yeah, make it go away. Yeah. I didn't like this card even when it saw played in standard. That was the first card I cut from all of my sacrifice decks. I did not like it. Yeah. Yep. Make it leave. 
Dad's house. Dad's house. Two dollars and seventy nine cents. A card is busted when you get to do something with it, mm-hmm. but you don't get to do something with it very often. Well, look at it from what we've been preaching to our listeners for a little while. I mean, it does have a unique effect. It's a very unique effect that's very hard to reprint. Yes. With that being said, it has seen play with moderate success in Mono Black Devotion with Gary. Mm-hmm. And is a EDH all-star. Yes. I mean, I think you can buy them. Yeah. Because it's not going to get much cheaper. Yep. And it, it is weird. Yep. I, I want someone to, like, doomsday into a bolus of citadel and then just Ooh. like cast the top five cards <laughs> of the library and win the game that would be awesome dark rate dark rate dark rate dark rate house doomsday <laughs> cast my deck let's do it there we go spark double two dollars and 57 cents this is a unique effect yeah but it's a unique effect that i don't think is that good it's a very casual card yeah. So this isn't a card that's going to see like modern play or probably pioneer play, but like kitchen table magic yeah. is going to love this, and it's kind of a staple for EDH. Okay. I don't know that it's ever going to be worth more than the couple bucks it's currently worth. So if maybe if you don't plan on playing them, get rid of them. But like I don't know. Yeah. I, I think its price is going to be pretty stable. Okay. So sell if you don't need them. Yeah, but, but keep them if, you, if you're an yeah. EDH player, someone who's into this kind of thing. Yep. The next one's tough. Yeah. It's one, our first uncommon of War of the Spark. Yeah. And that's Narset Parter of Veils at 257. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is awkward for a couple reasons. One, it's uncommon. Yep. And two, they're putting four of them in the Challenger deck. There's another reason it's awkward, too. Uh, there's a Japanese version that everyone wants. And there's another reason it's awkward. There is now a stained glass version that people want. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's a bunch of different versions of this. And, like, it's not like you can buy the foils because the foils are, like, stupid expensive. Right. It's not like we can, like, buy the $40 foil. It'll be $50 one day. It's like you also need, I think it's called food. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Even ramen costs money. Yes. I don't know if you can call that food. Um, So, Narset. You got to chew it. I had a bonus question. Is soup food? The correct answer was no. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Um, I might have to argue that point with but, you. But <laughs> um, Narset probably just stays two fifty. Maybe goes down like a buck fifty. But like, the only thing I'm worried about is there being four copies in every challenger deck. Yeah, that's tough. That um, is, I, I especially for an uncommon. Like, there's already a high supply. Yeah. Um, but I. Like price memory is a thing too, so it I don't is. know that it really ever goes below two bucks. And also in like the unique effect camp, yeah, her static is just stupid, right? And so it feels like that card that that's something that you're not going to replace. You're not going to print another card that says that, right? Was the other one Eidolon of Rhetoric? Yeah, I think so. And that was in the previous Theros, mm-hmm. so it was like five or six four or five years in between parts yeah. of that effect yeah so um i think you could probably if you sell her i don't know how much you're gonna get in terms of right like, yeah that's the other thing if you is, get like a buck 50 and then they go to a dollar yeah like you made 50 cents and then you paid shipping on getting your other ones back so maybe we'll call this one sell your extras yeah sell your extras yeah I mean, it's uncommon you probably got extras yeah i, I don't think i do i think i got rid of my extras oh, okay. a while back all right Finale of Promise, 
Yeah, two dollars and fifty-five cents. Thanks for putting that on the screen because I was like, <laughs> "What does this one do?" I forget. It's the red one. It's the red one. It's weird. It's, it's weird. It super fits into like everything. Is it ever wants to do though? Yeah, it's gonna cast you two spells. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can keep it. Yeah. And I, I might even buy them. It's yeah, like they're not gonna. Like this is hard. It's hard to reprint things that are part of a cycle without yeah. reprinting the rest of the cycle. A right. lot of times, like they do it, but it is just super awkward, mm-hmm. and it's a mythic. Yeah, like it's probably something you can just get and not worry about, mm-hmm. like not feel bad about. Yeah, I, I mean, I would buy probably as many of these as I could between like a buck fifty and two bucks. Yeah, because like they're gonna go. They'll be five dollars again. It'll be. It'll be a glorious three weeks in modern where like Phoenix Arc-like, is good. Arc like Phoenix is great again. Yeah. And then they'll go through the roof. Yep. Uh how about casualties of war at two dollars and fifty cents? Uh I'm sure some of its value is commander derived. Yeah. And a lot of its value right now is being played in standard mm-hmm. in a bunch of different decks. It, I mean, it's seen a lot of spurts where it's like randomly played a bunch and then played none. And yeah. then randomly played a bunch and then played none. It's very much a like Meta game situational yeah. card. It is kind of expensive for non rotating formats. Though. Yeah, like you're not going to play it in Pioneer. Like to black, black, green, green seems yeah. like, like I didn't think it was standard playable with its mana cost. Yeah. Did this get a reprint in anything? Was this in any of the Brawl decks or previous I Challenger decks or anything? I don't think, but I'm not 100% sure. It feels like a card that would have been. Yeah. That's the only reason I ask. I, I can't remember. Yeah. So I think we can just get off of these. I think they're going to go down. I do too. I think they'll be down almost bulk eventually. Yeah. Ashiok Dream Render, our next uncommon. Yeah. Um, this has the Narset problem where there's a million different versions. Mm-hmm. And the effect isn't as unique. It's not as unique. However, um, it's a very good sideboard card. It is. Where, like, Narset was a really good main deck card and not so much a good sideboard card. Mm-hmm. This is a very good sideboard card. And will probably always have a home in modern. Yeah, it'll always just kind of sit around. Yeah. Um, like, this is kind of a staple right now in Jun sideboards. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, the foils, if that was your plan, are $10. Yeah. It's not like there's a good spot to jump in on these in the foils. Right. But, like, you could, you know, maybe get more, but, like, just maybe, like, hold and then wait to see if there's, yeah, that's there's kind a spot, like, after rotation. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I don't know that they're going to get much cheaper, but I don't know that there's a whole lot of room to grow also. Yeah. Uh, Narset's Reversal, $2.07. Which blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, how is this card? This card, <laughs> no one has put this card on this. I guess it had a brief window where people were trying to like fight over Dovin's Vetoes mm-hmm. and bouncing Dovin's Vetoes. Yeah. But that's it. Right. The like, card doesn't do anything. But you said it's Commander Gold? Yeah, it's a lot of fun in EDH. Um, normally, like, EDH games are won with, like, a big splashy spell. Gotcha. So you can just kind of, like, make their spell not exist and have your own copy of it. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Uh, again, like, hold. I don't see there's, like, if it's getting its value from Commander. Well, I, I mean, at $2, I don't think that, like, you're going to be penalized for selling them. No. Um. I don't know that like all of the blue decks want this effect. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up closer to bulk at some point in its life. Yeah. But 
there's an odd chance that this may spike if yeah. there's you know somebody the command zone makes a new video or something that features this card yeah it could randomly go to you know twelve dollars two years from now who knows yeah but i if we if you sell them now there's a good chance you pick them up if yeah, no, nope, I think you're, I think sense. you're safe to come off of them. How about uh, Finale of Revelation at two dollars and six cents? This could be a reasonable Pioneer card again mm-hmm. if they ban Underworld. This okay. was how Lotus Field, one of the ways Lotus Field won before um, Underworld Breach. Yeah, you just make X equals ten, untap all your Lotus Fields, draw a bunch of cards. And then just you'd win the game from there. Yeah. And so I think these are because that they, they stand a chance in like some weird big mana decks, they're probably probably hold them mm-hmm. if you have them and that's the kind of thing you're gonna might do. And then again look for them to go down at rotation maybe. Okay. Especially if like Underworld Breach doesn't get banned mm-hmm. in the next six months or so, like they might go down because no one's playing them right now. Right. And also, it does feel like a commander card. Yeah. I get to pay 10 for something. Mm-hmm. I'm in. So where do you buy in? I don't know, 50 cents to a dollar, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. It, the closer they get to bulk, the more happy I am to pick yeah, them up. Yeah, because then you're not going to get hurt if they do go to bulk. Right. And the last the last card we got on our list today is Finale of Glory at $2. There are better ways for control decks to win in yep, Eternal Ferment. I agree. I'm, I don't like this card at all. No. This card was bad when it was in standard it's going to be bad after it leaves standard it's have i randomly lost games against control to this card sure yes yeah. but like it was a one of in like standard deck it's yeah. not going to see play anywhere else yeah nope you can come off of these two so there you go so that is where we see things uh for war of the spark yep next week we got a uh, core 20 and yeah. then that'll wrap up our uh our little finance Section. marathon here we might tell you, uh, give you a suggestion on where to sell your cards. Uh, yeah, next week. Yep, a little surprise. <laughs> we'll have to play with that a little bit this week and let you know. Yeah. So finally, yeah, we got arena. some arena content. First, uh, we have the arena data. Mm-hmm. I want to thank uh, Gabriel. Yeah, we got who, a new contributor. Who Let's I give think, him a round of applause. Yeah. Who I think uh, last week contributed a bunch and then this week played a ton yeah thank you very much um and picked up the cth sultai deck yeah and so, so did ken yeah ken yeah ken was playing it in mythic nice beating some fools up <laughs> um so for our data we found so we got 56 games in so mm-hmm. it's a pretty reasonable sample we had 21 yep. mono red okay that's a big chunk that's a big chunk and then 18 percent uh blue white control okay 13% blue-green X-Ramp. I played mainly against, like, the, the Bant, the Bant. Yeah. version. I know there's a Sultai list floating around mm-hmm. uh, that some people have been championing recently. And then what I thought was going to be the new hotness was Teamer Clover, mm-hmm. and that was 9%. I think that deck is... Uh, bad. Well, bad, maybe, maybe not. But I think it's hard to play. Yeah. I think it's bad... When your opponent isn't as good with it, yeah, I think there's probably like there's like a break point where it gets really good because there's just sometimes where like their draws are just like I have I go clover into clo I go clover into the beanstalk giant yeah play another clover and now I just like draw three cards every time I cast a spell yeah and you're just like oh okay well 
and there's other times where they like don't know, get the right cards with their uh with their fey wishes yeah. and stuff. So I think there is like kind of a big skill gap. But that was like nine percent, and then fires was seven percent, mm-hmm. and we did a pretty good job with the off It was only fourteen percent. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's pretty Means pretty we got tight. Our chart pretty nailed in. Mono red was a little overrepresented. Like that seemed like it was pretty high, especially since like the a dream hack. Yeah, it didn't do great. It didn't seem. Yeah. So, but again, arena people want to play fast magic sometimes. Right. I understand. So yeah, it looks like we have it pretty well dialed in, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. Play something that's good against blue white and against ramp. Yep. Uh, may I introduce you to Salsa uh, and Salsa <laughs> and, and Agent of Treachery? Yeah. And Ken messaged me and was like, "You guys said it doesn't have a good mono red matchup. It feels pretty good after sideboard. He went like two and one against mono red. Well, that's good. Yeah. Means our sideboard changes worked. <laughs> yeah. I, guess t- I told him. I said, I think the problem is, is like you can't like you can't miss a land drop. You can't stumble. Yeah. Or you have to draw your sideboard card. Like, you have to draw your sideboard cards and you can't stumble. Like, you yeah. have to, like, have your cry into then, like, big thing to catch up or to, like, stabilize. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you have a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went through the list and we were 9-5 and five with Sweet. with the Salt High. So we were, we were on the, the plus side of, of the ledger, so not too Absolutely. bad. Absolutely, by a good chunk. Yeah, so not too bad. So I'll try to, like, keep tracking that as we go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, keep putting stuff in. I'll send out the, hopefully the, the chart is already sent out when this gets, uh, released to the world. Yep. And then, uh, I guess the other arena, like specific thing, I guess there's two things. There's the next festival, mm-hmm. which was, was Heliod something. Yeah. We just read it like three times. Heliod's glory. Which is both players get an immortal sun emblem. That's what it looks like. That's what it says. It just says a mortal sun emblem. Yeah, that's very strange. Which I guess kind of nullifies the plus one plus one to all of your creatures. Yeah. So also you, like kind of nullifies drawing an extra card too. So everyone just gets a howling mine. Yeah. And planeswalkers don't work. Yeah. Which I guess is Well, planeswalker fun. activated abilities don't work. So I guess static still static work. abilities still work. So I would argue that ramp is probably pretty good in this because you still get Nissa double in your mana. Yeah. And you have something to do with all the extra cards you're drawing. Yeah, cuz like you are going to draw your Yeah. You're going to draw your big things. Yeah. Yeah. Seems reasonable. I was thinking like like more like aggressive decks. Yeah. Your, your things you're are a little gonna bit bigger. Run out of gas. You're never going to run out of gas. Your things are bigger. Yeah. So it kind of cuts their clock, you know. You know, your one ones are two twos, so yeah. your clock gets their clock gets cut. That's true. Do not play Cavalcade of Calamity, though. No, <laughs> no. Probably not Love Struck Beast either. <laughs> oh yeah, ooh, <laughs> yeah. Get that's change those two cards. Yeah. Get a bunch of O O threes, O yeah. Cavalcade, and like walls. <laughs> there you go. Sure. Cavalcade and like what is the uh, defense? High alert. High alert. There you go. They just all attack. That sounds big. terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't, do that. <laughs> Don't do that. We're just spitballing here, and yeah. they're, they're all they're all bad. Yeah. And the other thing was the workshop events. Yeah, these are precon brawl decks with historic commanders. Is that what this this I think week that's is? What they were? Which one is this? Because we were just looking at. It. I think they're each different. So yeah, the oh, one was like uh the one was like a, a precon brawl deck. Oh, one already happened. The the one there was the mono black versus 
it was like uncommon black guy, Sir something. Sir Conrad? Sir Conrad. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Versus right. the Royal Scions. Yep. And you were like, this is hot garbage. What am I doing? Yeah. Uh, Heroes is the Heroes of Theros is the workshop. Okay. And so the Heroes of Theros is you play limited decks drafted by other players. Oh. And that managed to go 7x. So they made a special event for you to play bad decks. They're like that's arguably the worst part of limited is having to play the deck you drafted. Like drafting is the best part of limited. Yeah, and I thought, playing the like, games is the worst part. Like, but there are only like three of them. I don't know. So there are only like three decks. We suggest getting your one win and then deciding <laughs> if it's something you want to do with your time or not. Yeah. But just get your one win. Get your half a get your get your half a pack. Yeah. And uh, call it good. Yeah, I don't know, man. I might just skip this one. <laughs> yeah, so it's available for 48 hours, so we'll, we'll see if uh, we get this podcast out in time. Okay. But, yeah. So, whoa. Anything and else? I don't think there's nothing really that's changed. Okay. I mean, we could do my tinfoil hat segment. Do you want to? Yeah, why not? Okay. So, real quick, there's something weird about how they pair you in best of one. Yeah, I noticed this... I don't know, six, eight months ago, I think, like back in Dominaria standard, but it was kind of just a tinfoil hat theory, so I didn't really say anything. Yeah, I'm going full on tinfoil hat, whatever. So so when I edit the podcast, I got to get my four wins in, so I'm listening to us, buttery or dulcet tones, however you want to describe it, (laughs) our silky smooth voices, and I've just got mono red going in the background. Because it's reasonably brainless. Yeah, it's like, okay, I have priority. I'm going to click yeah. on Arena. I'm going to tap all my lands, play all the spells I possibly can, and then hit yeah. attack all and see what happens. And for the entire week, I think I played against like 70 or 80% mono red. Mm-hmm. We were at like people were playing red cap melee against me. Right. And then by Thursday, I was like, screw it. We're going to put red cap melee in my deck because... It is the best removal spell when everyone displays mountains. Right. Well, then Friday happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Metagame 70% mono red for Cerulean Drakes, for uh, the white uh, hate card. Mm-hmm. Um, Devout Decree. Devout Decree. And then for Aether Gus. Yep. And then just like Healer's Hawks mm-hmm. and Hushbringers. And just like, fine, we're going to play blue white flyers with a bunch of like lifelinkers. That fly and a bunch and of red hate cards. Red hate cards played against mono red once in three hours. Yeah, I was like, how? How is my <laughs> mo- how is my meta game for mono red all mountains? Right. And then I'm like, I put in the cards that say screw you mountains, and then I no more mono red. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I had noticed. Um, I don't know exactly how their like game matching works or whatever. But I had noticed a while back during, we had a standard that was a lot of mono red, mono white, mono blue. It was like the Curious Obsession deck and the Benelish Marshall deck and mono red. And if you were playing one of those decks, it seemed like that's all you ever played was mono red, mono white, mono blue. Yeah. Whereas if you were playing like the Golgari list that was popular then, you played against like mid-range decks. Yeah. But, like, I never really said anything because, like, at the time, Arena was pretty new and, like, I didn't, we weren't tracking as much data then. Yeah. Uh, but then when you said this today, 
kind of made me think a little bit. Yeah, because it was four days of, I was like, to the point where I was like, why am I even bothering playing? Because I'm only playing against one yeah. deck. This is just like awful. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, I'm just playing against, like, I played against Bant Auras. Yeah. Like six times. I've not <laughs> seen that deck except for on the Arena Boys at all. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, this is what we're doing now. Why? Like, my, your Cerulean Drake looks really, really <laughs> dumb when there are no mountains on the battlefield. Right. Like, what is going on? So, I don't know how it works. Yeah, I don't know if seems... they, like, track match length and, like, pair you with people that are playing approximately the same length game as you, or... Like, I know at one point there was, like, talk about, like, matching based on, like, deck strengths. Yeah. Like, if you have a, like, if you're playing the intro deck, you're not going to play against someone who has, like, a complete total standard deck. Right. So I don't know if it was, like, all right, well, here's the tier one. Yeah. If you're playing a tier one deck, you're going to play against other tier one decks, and the tier one deck that got played on best of one, because who wants to play, like, a 45-minute control game? Right, for best of one. For best of one, was mono red, so they're like, oh, these are both tier one decks. They play against each other. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is a pile. We're going to pl- put you against other piles. <laughs> like, no, my pile was meant to be the only deck that gets played in this format. Yeah. And they were like, no. No, your pile has to go into Pile Town. Yeah, maybe. But there we'll are have no to, mountains uh, in Pile we'll Town. We'll have to pay attention going forward, see if we notice any other weird yeah. trends with that. And you guys let us know. Like, if you guys have run into this, too, uh, yeah, shoot us a message. Let us I definitely know. notice it in Best of One. Yeah. Because I, like I, I play a lot when I'm like, I don't Editing. care about my ranking and just have yeah. to edit. But. I've not seen it in like the best of three, but if you're like me and you're like, oh, I've got like 40 minutes, I want to try to get like four wins real fast. And then you're like, oh, what is going on here? Yeah. So, yeah, let us know. Yep. So, I think that's all the arena stuff. We get to look forward to the ban and restrict announcement next week, which we is do. giving us content, hopefully. Yep. I'm sure or hopefully we'll cover not. that. Um, I th- think we had another topic slated for next week, too, but I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. We'll, we'll look. Yeah, I'll have to check the notes. And we got one more uh, finance take next week. Yeah. So, yeah, you got some stuff to look forward to. Yep. So with that, I think we're done, right? I think so. So if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, it's uh, getting us at Casual Tripod. Yep. If you want to find us on Facebook, it's Casual Tryhard MTG. Um, you can drop us an email, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Like I said, if you notice anything weird with Wizards, send it our way. Um, those of you that have picked up the CTH Sultai deck, uh, get at us with uh, any upgrades you think it needs, yeah, or if you just want to talk about it in general. I think both of us are pretty willing to yeah, that is, discuss. That is the deck that, like, if I'm going to play best of three, that's yeah. the deck I play. Oh, yeah, like, that's great. I've got time, like, because unfortunately it doesn't win games quickly. Right. But it does win them. It does win them. Yep. Thanks again to Podcast Dad Juan and uh, Myrtle Beach Games for letting us use their studio for this super sweet uh video episode yeah make sure you check us out on myrtle beach games youtube channel oh the we have a youtube channel oh yeah we have a youtube channel yeah so that's where casual tryhard salt high uh, got birthed into the world yep if you want to check out the deck tech you can head over there and check it out yeah we we may kick around some other ideas and put things some things up there yep uh the pioneer dream died <laughs> but one day one, one day. day yeah with that I think we're done, right? Yep. And we'll uh, catch you guys at FNM.